Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in to Oklahoma Breakdown, your source, your podcast for Oklahoma football, a subsidiary, you could say, of Crimson and Green Machine, uh, which is, of course, SB Nation blog covering all things Oklahoma. I am Matt Ravis, along with Jack Shields. Jack Shields. Jack, how are you? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, good, if I can actually speak correctly and like a normal human being. It's not like I, you know, get paid to talk or anything. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, well, you know, we're here to talk about OU football, obviously. Uh, don't have to talk hypotheticals anymore. You don't have to talk for the most part. Yeah, I well, yeah, we're always going to get into really hypotheticals, but much. what I but mean we did is learn that the defense is better than we thought. So yes, and what I mean is actual substantial football to go off. No, if this happens, uh, we, what do we think? Versus if that happens, what do we think? We we have a real game to go off of, uh, and we've got a game here uh, very very soon. Uh, possibly, if you're listening to this this very day, so. Uh, Jack, we'll start with the Florida Atlantic game. Big takeaways, obviously, you were impressed with the defense. Yeah, defense was fantastic. I mean, uh, offensively, you know, I, I was obviously impressed by uh, us going up and down the field and scoring on pretty much every first half possession. But, uh, you know, I'm, I am interested to see what they'll look like uh, against a better defensive squad. You know, UCLA's got some athletes, so... I feel like we're probably going to learn a little bit more about Kyler Murray and the rest of this offense uh, after this week. But you know, overall, there aren't really a, a whole lot of complaints about this. I mean, it didn't. Win, yeah, it's, it's the defense is one thing, but keeping on the offense for a second, I don't even think what well, we saw probably a quarter of the playbook opened up. Just if you had exactly, to estimate, yeah. oh, you never had to show anything. All very vanilla. Uh, all very you know, color by the numbers, basically from Lincoln Riley. If you had to guess. You know, say if that was maybe just 20, 25%, how much more do you think Lincoln Riley opens it up against UCLA? How much more does he have to open it up? Well, if they get out to a, you know, a quick start, they're not going to have to at all. I mean, I mean, I think he'll he'd be content with, you know, a comfortable win and I think they could easily do that without bringing out all the gadgets. But, you know, like I said, UCLA's defense is uh, you know, while it's not perfect, it's uh definitely a step up, so might have to break out a few things here and there, but you know, I or not necessarily gadget plays, but I mean, show a few more looks. Yeah, and, and I mean, the, look the, against Florida Atlantic. Yes, you had the blocked punt return for a touchdown, uh, and that changed the dy- dynamics of the game very, very early. But yes. it was it was well in hand by the first quarter, basically yeah. by the end of the first quarter, uh, it was basically over, and you saw how many true freshmen got to play. What was it? How, do, you, do you know the exact tally of true freshmen? I, I knew or it, people, one, it was a lot. People I mean, who got to see the field for the very first time, even that was a lot. So if you get to see people, if you get to see you know the true freshmen play, uh, the redshirt sophomores, etc., people who haven't played before, get that actual game experience. That's 
the only thing that you could ask for, basically, I think, from this UCLA game that you couldn't take away from Florida Atlantic. Yeah, exactly. Yep, I feel you. Uh, it just, uh, yeah, it's. I think it's big time, and, and obviously the new redshirt transfer rule, or yeah, yeah redshirt exactly. rules. Yeah, the, the redshirt rule with the uh, you get to play four, four games, games, correct? Yeah, yeah, obviously we're gonna see a lot more people, and uh, I mean UCLA. Obviously, I think we're gonna see some more people as well. Uh, I don't think Delarian Turner y'all is gonna be back for this one, so unfortunately we won't get to see him. And he's one of the people I really wanted to see. He's a guy who can really thump. Uh, so. Uh, not gonna get to see him, but hopefully we'll get to see him. You know, maybe against uh, against Army. Ooh, he could tee off against Army. I mean, they've got that triple option going. Maybe he can uh, help out a lot in the run game. But uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I am really interested to see. By the way, uh, Charleston Rambo, who was out with an injury last week. I think he's someone. He was up there, you know, with CD as far as uh, hype is concerned coming in. Not sure. quite up there with CD, but I mean, he was one of the best receivers in the state of Texas coming out of high school in the uh, class of 17. I mean, that was just like the very kickoff of Lincoln Riley's recruiting push. It feels like... Yeah, well, yeah. It feels he, like forever ago, even though was, that was he just... He was committed before Riley became the uh, head coach, but still, sure. you know, he, Riley was the uh, offensive coordinator, and, you know, all the offensive staff is pretty much in place from then, so, you yeah. know, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, but... Uh, yeah, he's a really athletic guy, you know, probably about six foot, six one. Not as well built as you would like at this point, but still he's a really fast guy, someone who could uh, take the top off, so Here's maybe just like one more name who you want to see touch the field on Saturday. Even if they touched the field last Saturday, somebody you want to see flash a little bit more. Uh TJ Pledger, I'd like to see him a little bit. You know, uh he's someone who could be really good in the passing game. He he really did show some nice things in the open field. I mean, obviously, some of this is probably number association, but, uh, you know, I saw a little bit of Roy Finch there, but probably a little <laughs> more, uh, you know, Roy was a pretty solidly built guy for how uh, sure. short he was, but I mean, uh, TJ, I mean, he's probably, he's even a little more stout than uh, Roy Finch was, someone who uh, I think can take a bit of punishment as well, so, you know, I, OU probably doesn't need TJ Pledger this year, but I do want to see him play, because he was one of the uh, more intriguing recruits from this I mean, last God, class. I God, they've got... Six different running backs who could, you know, or five, yeah, but for, yeah, I, I'm just exaggerating, yeah, but you know, yeah. they've got so many who could go and, and and get major playing time at any other school. Oh, absolutely, they just kind of yeah. get buried back there. It's and, an embarrassment of riches. Oh, I'm absolutely. Not no, you got it onto a show. I, on a show I was on on Sunday, uh, we got into it. People arguing about whether OSU's uh, stable of running backs is better than OU's. And I, I mean, I would tip my hat to OU's, but I, I think that people in the state of Oklahoma, in terms of running back cores, are very, very spoiled. Yo, because absolutely. Because OSU's running back you know, stable is also has very a strong. Great backfield. I mean, with Hill and uh, JD King and Chuba uh, Hubbard. LD Brown LD had that Brown, big, yeah, big touchdown yeah. run too. So no, they've they've got four very capable backs. I mean, they're. I'm I'm a little concerned about their offensive line. I mean, that's a weird thing to say after they rush for like 400 yards. But granted, they were a. Uh, Playing Missouri State, so, yeah. So. To that one, but, I mean, there were times where I mean, it was a situation where their guys had to kind of make plays uh, near the line of scrimmage or in the backfield. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still not quite sold on that offensive line. But yeah, that backfield is phenomenal, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, Bedlam anticipate that to be a big, uh, uh, you know, rushing game for, yeah. for both schools. I and, and just one more thing on OSU: the accuracy 
is not there. I didn't no, see any not. of that from Taylor Cornelius. I mean, so they're going to give Justice Hill just a ton of work. Yeah, I mean, who who knows if we'll see Drew Brown or not? I mean, I, I, I think they, they might use this year to redshirt. I, I do kind of think they're going to have to go to Drew Brown at some point. But uh, And he's a more dynamic quarterback than uh, Cornelius is. He's someone who can scramble around a little bit more and is, uh, I guess, a bit more of a gamer. But, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to uh, see develop. So uh, moving on to this UCLA game. Um, Saturday noon, what are you looking to take away from it? Uh, I'm going to be looking more towards the offense because I really don't think that OU's defense is going to have too much trouble just because of how bad UCLA's offensive line is. I mean, they were horrible against a, uh, you know, a Cincinnati defensive front that's, you know, nothing to really write home about. I mean, they, they looked horrible. I mean, they're... So I, I think OU is going to – I don't think they're going to get another first-half shutout, but I think I wouldn't be – I'm, I'm, in my score prediction, I was saying that OU holds them to 17 points, and probably I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's fewer than that. But So having said that, I'm looking more for uh, you know Kyler Murray. I'm wanting to see how he does uh, – you know, when the pressure's on a little bit, I think they're going to rush some guys, try to fluster him a little bit, and that can obviously come back to uh, bite them with how good he is at scrambling. But, you know, I, I'd like to see him uh, make some more reads. I'd like to see him make some difficult decisions. I'd like to see how he reacts when things aren't going quite as swimmingly, and I think maybe we could see that a few times uh uh, on Saturday. Yeah, it will be interesting to see him under duress a little bit. Yeah. Florida Atlantic couldn't really get a push against the OU's offensive line. All right, let he me ask can. you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let me ask you one more thing before we get into a mailbag. This will be a success for OU on Saturday if, I mean, a, a win, right, is to be expected. Uh, a cover could, is possibly even to be expected, but you will, you will be satisfied if OU does what on Saturday. I would say I would be satisfied if, I, I would say the cover. Like, uh, 30 points, right? Yeah, at, yeah. at time of recording, it's 30. Yeah, I would say so. Um, and like I said with Kyler Murray, that, that's the one thing I want to see. I want to see what he does when push comes to show. All right. But, uh, wanna... Then again, you know, he may he may have a, a pretty easy go of things again. So, you know, we may have to wait for, you know, Iowa State or Texas or something like that to really find out uh, how much metal he has. But, uh, yeah, like going back to that, that's probably – what I would want to take away from it. And I'll add, you know, no injuries, few injuries. No injuries. As few injuries yeah, as stay, possible. Stay healthy. Austin Kendall thing was pretty scary getting caught it up was, under that yeah. locker. I, I, I don't want to – we don't – we're not going to need him, or Oklahoma's not going to need him on a Saturday, so I don't really uh, want to see him out there, frankly. I want to see Tanner Mordecai. That's another thing. Yeah, I I, I, real quick, one more question. Sorry, if we're getting a mail back. I'm interested in Mordecai. I mean, that's a guy who wouldn't have seen the field if not for the new redshirt rule, right? No, you're correct. pretty sure. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You, you'd he, be had, seeing, he had you'd what? strictly be seeing uh, Tanner Schaefer as the third guy. He had two it, attempts, it, right? That was just yeah, about yeah one of work. them was a fantastic throw to uh, Michael Jones. So, so I'd love to see more from him for sure. Yeah, you know, he's he's the kid's a gamer too. He's got a little bit of Baker Mayfield in him too. So he's someone who. I would like to see out there. Well, he's, he knows Spencer Rattler's coming. He's got to make some yeah, sort of absolutely. impact, uh, if not in a game, on the practice field. So he's got something to prove as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into uh, some mailback questions, I guess. I'll let you tee it up. Okay, let's see here. We had something from Stephen Brown from uh, Rough Riders. It was 
five favorite pre-game drinks, five favorite post-game drinks, and the third part of that was when do you think Oklahoma will sell beer in the stadium? We sort of touched on the uh, third point there in the last podcast. I think it will. OU will have it in 2019. I think uh, Oklahoma State and Texas and a lot of other schools having it, uh, in a sense, it puts the pressure on Castiglione, and in another sense, it takes the pressure off of Castiglione. And both, and the former, I mean, uh, you know, other schools in the region have it, so fans are going to be clamoring for it. At the same time, it takes the pressure off of him because those other schools have it, and uh, no one's really going to criticize him or throw stones at him for basically following the crowd there. So, you know, I, I, I would say they're going to do their due diligence. And, and, and I think, you know, you and can... And they'll have it by next year. I, I agree. It'll happen sooner than later. Uh, pun completely intended, by the way. But it, I, I, you can crow all you want about the student-athlete thing. Uh, we are here to change young men's lives. At the end of the day, people are in it because it's a business. Yeah. And there is a bottom line uh, that you have to budget. And OU is one of those schools who's fortunate enough to make a handsome profit. Uh, yeah. Off of their, off their or at product. least more of a profit than most schools. Yeah, no, I mean, not so, very many. No, uh, not at all. Pro or not well, programs do, but not many departments make a profit. Well, definitely fewer than most people would think. No, yeah, yeah, OU does just about as well as anybody in that department. And at the end of the day, uh, it, it's about putting money in the in the bank and it, yeah, it, it and just, you're maximizing that. It yeah, makes I mean, dollars and cents. You got and like it. like we were talking about last week. It, it in reality, it really is probably the more responsible thing to do. Sure. Honestly, you're probably gonna. I think. Everybody most knows these, what a black market yeah, is. Yeah, most of these schools, uh, you know, you have more incidents of, uh, I guess, public drunkenness or whatever uh, when people are sneaking uh, whiskey into the game. People are probably still going to do that. I would yeah. probably do it. But, like, uh, you know, I, I think people probably aren't going to go quite as hard at the tailgate. They'll probably go pretty hard, but they're not going to feel like they're having to rush it. You know what I mean? You're, it's, it's probably in the end going to be a safer environment. Yeah, without a doubt. As far as top five different pregame drinks, Jack, I don't know about you. I don't think I'm that diverse in my drinking. See, yeah, I'm a I can tell you drunk. like five different kinds of beer. I guess that I like. I don't. I don't drink five different things. Uh, five beers. Anything that's cold and brown and in a glass. Uh, those are my five favorite things to drink before and after the game. That's probably a cop out, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit potentially. But anyway, as far as drinks pregame, I would say that. Uh, you know, Bloody Mary is one. There you go. Obviously. I wish Especially I was for these early Mary. kickoffs, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, one secret, and I learned this in Tallahassee at a bar called Tomahawk. Put, like, half an inch of Guinness at the bottom of your glass before you mix your Bloody Mary. It gives it... You see, it sounds bad. I see the look on your face. Yeah, I'm not about it. I'm but not about Bloody Mary. Like I'm saying, yeah, just put a little tiny bit of it it, I don't know how to describe it, but it makes it so much better. And yeah, you know, mix it with Zing Zang and uh, use some Sriracha, use some Worcestershire or however. Uh, otherwise, it. what's the point of drinking it? Yeah, I mean, it's, or you can go with the Bloody Maria with the tequila, which I also like. I actually like tequila. Bloody more. Maria. I, li I like tequila more than I like vodka, so. As far as like, that, I so. feel like a really Oklahoman thing to maybe to drink is like lemonade mix mixed with vodka or even better. Sweet tea mixed with vodka. Sweet I don't know vodka, if you ever yeah, had that. Absolutely. Maybe a splash of lemonade. That's some good stuff. Oh yeah, uh, that's a John Daly. Yeah, and but when it's the yes, sweet exactly. tea lemonade and uh, vodka, yeah, that's a John Daly. When it's warm outside, which it is very hot outside at the beginning of football season, yeah. gin and tonic, 
anything like that. Oh, God, yeah. I know what they say about clear liquors, sue me, but uh, good gin and tonic on a hot day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love me a GNC. Absolutely. So, that that's what I... That's pretty much what I drink on game days. Yeah, if I, I do get, if I am fortunate enough to be able to drink on a game day. Pre-game, I mean, you know, fireball is. I'm very hot and cold on fireball. Oh. It's always sort of around though. It's a hangover waiting to happen. It, it You're is. right it's though. The, it's the everywhere. Sugar. It's it's gross. It's everywhere. You don't really it's need gross, a chaser. But I, I drink it. It's. I mean, it's usually being passed around somewhere. Someone's buying shots of it or something like that. So, I guess I'd put fireball in there. Um, let's see. Any beer, I would say it. Like for the morning, like that. I mean, I, I'm I'm someone who's pretty diverse with the kind of beer he drinks, but I'm not a beer snob. I will drink cheap domestics any oh, day. Same. So, you know, I'm not too picky as far as that's concerned. But uh, let's see. I, I think I've named like three or four at this point. I'm, I've lost track. I don't know. Anyway, math is not our strong suit. Yeah. Anyway. Let's go to post-game drinks. Beer again. Beer would definitely be beer, especially if you after you've been out in the sun for four hours. Also, yeah, no, and I want to add like always. water. Beer's always good. Water yeah. and Gatorade as well, because like I I'm down drinking before yeah. and after the game. But a vodka you gotta, Gatorade. Is you've got to hydrate your electrolytes. Yes, again. absolutely. You got vodka hydrate. Gatorade. That was uh, that was a big thing when I was a sophomore at OU. I used to. Mix Svedka and Gatorade all the time, and there's a lot of things that you do as a sophomore. Like that, a lot of things that you maybe shouldn't repeat anymore. Yeah, it's but I mean, it, you know, you're hydrating yourself too, so you know. Pedialyte, if you want to try to ha- prevent that hangover. Yeah, I mean, I drink it as fun. Nobody was, likes a hangover. I was able to rally pretty well, so in hindsight, it was probably a good idea. I haven't really gone back to it, but like, uh, yeah, that's not a bad thing. But um, let's see. Anything light, because I feel like at the end of the day, I've you know been eating all day, I've been drinking all day. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I don't like to go too hard or you know too too heavy after the game, like the Bloody Mary in the morning. I like to I like to get me a nap in immediately after the game. So, I guess we'll just end it at that. (laughs) I think we're just showing how lame. Yeah, we're no. I mean, (laughs) I well, but like you said, you know, I'm a, I'm I don't really mix it up that much, nor am I that picky though. So, yeah, exactly. I'll, whatever you give me, I'll take. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, I, I've got one, actually. This one was asked about personally uh, from a good friend. Wanted to know about the Addison Gum situation. Uh, I think that was Sooner Scoop, right? Kerry Murdoch with the... Yeah, Kerry Murdoch broke it. Then, so, uh, got to give him Lincoln cre- sent out a press release. Credit for the scoop. Out, not, but he's transferring right after the season-ending knee injury. I mean, that's it's, it just seems like a weird deal. Well, I mean... His parents were not huge on it uh, in the first place. You know, huge on coming to OU. Yeah, him coming to OU. He, he lives, you know, his family's in uh, Hayward, California, which is in the Bay Area. It's a long distance to send your son. They weren't really huge on him coming all the way out to OU. And, you know, he's he didn't really get to play too much as a freshman, but still burn his red shirt. And it happens, you know, you know. He looked good when he was out there as a freshman, and obviously he has a ton of upside. I think he's going to be a great player wherever he goes. But, you know, then he, you know, has a season-ending, you know, non-contact injury. I, It's not that surprising that he wants to, you know, go home and kind of regroup and maybe start fresh. Makes sense. Well, it, it does make sense, and 
Uh, anybody, and I'm not, not saying I saw this anywhere, but anywhere who tries to rag on a, on a you know, young yeah, guy I for, mean, I, for you doing know, that is, that's absolutely unwarranted. I definitely, you know, and, you know, Lincoln came out and said, you know, hey, it's a family situation, you know, and, and there might be, you know, exactly, he might be, you know, there might be a lot of truth to that. I mean, maybe there is something that we don't know about as far as his family situation is concerned. And I think the case, whenever someone transfers and it seems like a weird deal, always just assume that there's something going on that would make it a lot more understandable and that would make you feel much more sympathetic to the I kid. mean, please raise That's your, the way to look at it. Please raise your hand if you're listening to this and you, you've had everything in hand and knew exactly what you were going to do at 18 or 19 years nope. old, or however old ass and gums is. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it, it's a, that's a hard decision to make going, like you said, from California to Oklahoma. So it's, I, I don't know. That, that's just my soapbox, I guess, for anybody who potentially thought about giving ass and gums guff about it. I don't think, yeah, I, it hadn't been too bad. So I've seen it before. Seen yeah, it before yeah, Jack. yeah, we have seen it, but yeah, I, I don't, the blowback hadn't been too bad. So. All right. Any, anything else? Any other questions? Uh, not off the top of my head. All right. Or actually, someone someone asked about. Let's let me pull this up. Uh, something about biotechnical. Let me see if I can find this. Oh no, we got one other thing. Yeah, from your coworker. Oh yeah. I was trying to scoot past this part. I'm, I, this brings me joy. You know, was Tiger Woods' 62 today? We're obviously recording on Thursday, so he's played his first round. Was Tiger Woods' 62 the best thing to happen in this country this year? And I'm going to sort of... This isn't really a cop-out, but I will say that Tiger Woods' return to being truly competitive has been the best story in sports this year and has brought me a ton of joy. So, and you know, I'm a huge sports fan. I probably prioritize that more than I should. So for me, I, I would say that the answer is at least partially yes. I mean, it has... I'm, a, I'm as big a Tiger fan as you will meet, so... It has been a tough year for just about everybody. I think worldwide, it's always been tough. So I, I, I think that there is probably some truth to that question. I'm not as big of a, a golf fan as you are, so I'm probably not the greatest person to answer this. Colby Powell, uh, if you don't know this, uh, 107 Southern Franchise, he works there, uh, my coworker, and he is just the most obsessive Tiger fan in the world. Most obsessive Tiger fan. We probably fan get I along. I think I've met him once. He's a really, he's a really nice guy, uh, just absolutely bonkers over Tiger Woods and I think some of his personal joy I say some of just to hedge my bet I'm pretty sure it's like the majority of his personal joy is very much tied to Tiger Woods and his success so you can imagine the hard time he's had over the past uh, uh, I mean when, when did Tiger oh, yeah. get the hard time it, uh, it would have been 09 yeah when the whole uh, it's almost thing been a, with his wife happened almost the been a decade club and the car hitting the tree and all that stuff so Almost been a decade of a tough Tiger time. Yeah, so. yeah, and he's had his moments in between. I mean, he was—he's been in contention at Augusta a few times and come up short. But uh, you know, it's—it truly does feel for the first time that he has his juice back. I will say though, if so Tiger, to speak, if Tiger Woods is the best thing to happen in this country this year, 
does that say more about Tiger Woods than does that say more about the country? It says a little bit about both. <laughs> yeah, bit of column A, bit of column B. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, you got the other question? Uh, let me find this. This was an interesting one, and I'm going to qualify this right off the bat by saying that I do not know what I am talking about yeah. on this subject whatsoever. What is your position on the role of government in supporting innovation in the field of biotechnology? Now, a lot of this, if I'm not mistaken, occurs in the context of ag agriculture, like with the seed formulas and stuff like that and laws pertaining to that. Now, as far as that's concerned, all I know about this is what I saw on Food, Inc., the documentary, when <laughs> I was in college. So you're practically an I expert. I may or may not have been intoxicated when I watched this film. So you're definitely an expert. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the biggest takeaway from that is Monsanto is bad. So let's just leave it at that. There we go. I can't, I, I'm incapable of elaborating on that, but I feel confident in saying that based on a documentary. I think I was. watched eight years ago. You got farther than I did because, you know, you were incapable of trying to answer it. I was incapable of really deciphering it or trying to figure out exactly what that. I, what, I had what to is Google it. Biotechnology. I, I, had to Google it. I can't believe it. This is the second episode and the word biotechnology has already been used. This is so. a very smart podcast. You can cross that one off the, the whiteboard. Oh, one more from uh, Stephen Brown at Rough Riders. Is modern avant garde art overrated? I'll defer to you on that one. I think that it is properly rated. All right. Sounds good. That's my expert I, opinion on that. that. I think it is properly rated. Sweet. All right. I think that's going to do it for the mailbag. Um, if you have any questions... That went really well. <laughs> yeah. It's swimmingly. Swimmingly. Uh, if you want to send any questions, uh, at CC Machine, because that, that's the Twitter name, correct? Yeah, at, at CC Machine. machine yeah. uh, anytime, 24-7. Uh, we'll get to them at the, uh, the next podcast, uh, maybe even before on Twitter, but definitely address it on the... This podcast, uh, Oklahoma Breakdown. So yeah, any, anytime you got questions, I think feel like probably every episode we'll do a mailbag. It's a fun way to to uh, engage with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And to uh, get temperature. Yeah, and it, it, also, it's it, it checks our blind spots as well because uh, definitely you are super plugged into uh, OU football and and, and and I and I I am as well and uh, just around it all the time. So there are there are things that maybe aren't we're not thinking of. Is, yeah, is what I'm getting to. So. Definitely any questions you got, uh, send them our way. All right, I think that's going to do it for our mailbag. Uh, coming up next, we are going to talk to Joe Pachowski of uh, Bruins Nation, uh, the UCLA SB Nation blog. We're going to get into all things UCLA football, the upcoming matchup with OU uh, on Saturday. So that's coming up next. Definitely stay tuned for that. about UCLA sports for Bruin Nation. Uh, that is the SB Nation UCLA Bruins blog. Joe, hope you're doing well tonight. Doing well. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're definitely glad to have you. Uh, also, definitely looking forward to uh, OU versus UCLA on Saturday. Uh, and I'll let Jack lead off first question here. Okay, uh, Joe, UCLA, the offense obviously sputtered a little bit against Cincinnati in the opener, um, and the offensive line seemed to be one of the uh, 
or seem to be the primary culprit there. Uh, does that pretty much sum it up, or were there some other factors at play there? Well, that was a, that was a big factor. Um, I mean, when you when you're running the ball 30 times and only gaining, you know, or 31 times and only gaining 144 yards, including a 74 yard run by Casimir Allen, uh, that's that's pretty bad. Um, but at the same time, uh, after this after the injury to Wil- Wilton Spate, Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, was horribly inaccurate. Um, he was over. He was overthrowing or underthrowing a lot of his uh, passes, uh, at least uh, until the very last drive. The very last drive, he finally finally started to see, seemed to find the rhythm. Um, so it wasn't just it wasn't just the offensive line. It was it was across the board, uh, the entire offense that 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 was sputtering. Yeah, and Spate, uh, who you already brought up, he, uh, you know, he obviously tweaked his back against uh, Cincinnati and had to miss uh, everything from pretty much the second quarter on. But uh, do you think there's any chance that we actually see Wilton Spade on Saturday, considering his history with the uh, back issues? And is he actually the person, if he is good to go, is he actually the person you, that you would prefer to see out there? Well, it's funny because um, Chip Kelly has has made it, we kind of made a point. Uh, since fall camp started, that uh, practices were going to be closed uh, for the whole, for the duration of fall camp, not just the last two weeks or so. And uh, and I kind of thought that well, maybe then what he was thinking about doing was maybe th- putting one quarterback out there on a field against Cincinnati and coming back the following week against Oklahoma um, with somebody else. Um, now he may end up coming out with somebody else. But that may be by may be by default. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Spade's going to be healthy enough to go. He might be. If he's healthy enough to go, he may go. But uh, if he's not healthy enough to go, my preference would be to see uh, see Devon Modster get the start over Dorian Thompson Robinson, based simply on on Thompson Robinson's play last week against Cincinnati, where he, he his his throws were all over the place. He looked ill-prepared and, and unready to uh, to be out there on the field quarterback. And then going up against the number six team in the country, um, there's no way he should be out there this weekend. Yeah, that's that's kind of the impression I got. I mean, he was obviously a you know a highly touted guy out of Bishop Gorman, but you know being thrown into the fire that early probably uh, isn't very conducive to uh, success. But sticking with the uh... well, it's not just it's not just that. It's also the fact that. He elected uh, by choice to not graduate early, so he wasn't he wasn't on campus for spring practice. So he didn't get, you know, the coaches didn't get to start coaching him until August first. Um, then on top of that, he while as gifted as he looked last year with Bishop Gorman, that was his only year starting as a varsity quarterback. So the fact of the matter is, is that I I can see them playing him in up to three more games but beyond that frankly he should be redshirting this year gotcha yeah and sticking with the offense here you know Caleb Wilson the uh standout tight end for UCLA he's the son of former Sooner Chris Wilson so there's definitely some intrigue around these parts but what uh what stands out about his skill set and what uh makes him such a threat he just seems to find a way to get open um now it it doesn't help when your quarterback thinks you're seven feet tall and and overthrows you like like Robinson did last week, 
Um, but he just he just seems to seems to be there be this big giant target there, um, coming from coming from uh, the tight end position, um, and they really need to take advantage of uh, of his size and his skills and 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 get out there and use him. Um, he should probably be the guy catching the most balls for UCLA. He wasn't last week. It was it was Theo Howard, who's a great threat on the outside, who probably should have gotten more touches than he got. Gotcha. And uh, now let's switch over to defense here. Uh, new defensive coordinator, Jerry Azanaro, he's pretty much followed Chip Kelly around for over a decade. Um what can we expect from UCLA's defense from a schematic standpoint? Well, UCLA is going to run a run a three four. Uh, they'll be running you know three defensive linemen with four uh, linebackers. Um, they'll run it. They'll run the nickel when it's appropriate. Um, they're not just going to you know throw back throw a fifth throw a fifth DB in there, um, you know because you know for, you know just because they're going to do it when 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 they think it's an appropriate situation. Um, but for the most part, they're going to they're going to play a base three four. Uh, you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of pressure. You're going to see a lot of uh, blitzes, uh, things like that. Uh, a lot of pressure. They're going to try to put a lot of pressure on on Kyler Murray, um, while also keeping him contained and you know trying to prevent him from run, from running the ball. Uh, speaking of defense, I mean, who are some of the biggest playmakers? Uh, who are going to be the guys that you are looking to make an impact on defense uh, this coming Saturday? First and foremost, you've got uh, defensive lineman Rick Wade. Uh, Rick Wade is the guy who uh, forced the fumble last week against Cincinnati that led to uh, UCLA's first touchdown. Um, so uh, he's a guy that that seems to be able to to you know pin his ears back and go after the quarterback. Um, you've got your two outside linebackers and Jalen Phillips, uh, who was a uh, who was a, a U.S. Army All-American two years ago, um, and uh, Keyshawn Lucier South. Uh, you're outside. The outside backers are going to look to bring some pressure as well. Then back in the secondary, the secondary is actually the strength of of the Bruin defense. They've got the most uh, experience back there in the secondary. They've got a senior, uh, a Darius Pickett, playing safety. Uh, they've got uh, Quentin Lake, who's only a sophomore. But he's the son of uh, former UCLA and Pittsburgh Steeler Carnell Lake. Uh, you've also got a uh, got a couple of talented freshmen coming in there. But on the uh, at quarterback, you've you've got Darnay Holmes, who's a sophomore, uh, who uh, was another U.S. Army All-American. Um, so th- there's some talent back there in the secondary. On the uh, at the other corner, you've got a a senior Nate Metters, uh, who's who always seems to have a nose for the ball. Um, so there's been a lot. There's a lot of talent back there in the secondary, and they're going to mix in, you know, some of the younger guys as well. You know, switch them in and out throughout. Um, there's another guy, Eli- Elisha Gidry, who's a true freshman, um, who saw some time last week. Um, the secondary is definitely the strength of the Bruin of the uh, Bruin defense. Although I think the uh, I think the uh, outside backers and the defensive line are, are quickly uh, quickly coming up there. All right, Joe, this is our last question about personnel, but UCLA is uh, getting some guys back from suspension. Uh, you're going to have to help me out with the pronunciation on one of these, and I think you probably know who I'm talking about. Uh, Osa. Odigizua. Osa Odig. Odigizua. 
Yeah, there we go. And Moses, uh, brother, yeah, Moses Robinson Carr. His brother was Oa Odigizua. Um, <laughs> Can you yeah. spell that off the top of your head, or do you have to Google that every time? No, I've got uh, actually after after four years of having his brother playing for the Bruins, I can spell that off off the top of my head. Um, you know, it's 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 just the way it's written. O d i o d g g h i zua z u w a Odigizua. Um, his brother actually played for the Giants for a couple of years um, until he was released last year. Um, but uh, but Osa is, is a uh, is one of the uh, guys who did get suspended. I was disappointed to, to see that because I think uh, I think he's he's a guy that's got a lot of potential this year on the defensive line. Um, you know, it's he's one of my favorites. I, I managed to actually get a really great picture of him uh, during spring practice a couple of years ago, and uh, you can actually see the whites of his eyes. It's one of my favorite one of the favorite pictures I've taken for the site. Um, but Osa um, is finally at. The, I, I, th- he's either, I think he's a junior now. Um, it's finally that time when it's time for him to step up, and to see him get suspended like that was extremely disappointing. Um, Moses Robinson Carr is is just a sophomore. Same thing with Mo Osling. Um, Boss Tagaloa, interestingly, was a defensive lineman, but uh, they flipped him over to offense. And that did hurt us a little bit last week because uh, they ended up starting a true freshman at center. Uh, I don't know if he's going to capture the starting job this week or not. Um, I think he'll probably get some playing time at the very least. But, you know, Chip Kelly keeps saying playing time is earned. And so uh, we'll have to see who uh, who's earned that playing time. Um, but I think I think the defensive linemen are the guys who are most likely to uh, to make an impact this week. Uh, between Osa and Moses Robinson Carr, just because I think I think the key for UCLA, to, uh, as far as having any chance at all to win this game after watching watching the Sooners destroy uh, Florida Atlantic last week, the, the, if the, if the Bruins want any chance at all to win, the defense is going to have to play the game of their lives, and uh, I think that's going to involve swapping a lot of guys in and out, keeping guys fresh. And uh, two of the guys that they'll call on at the very least to to give guys to give guys a breather would be would be Osa and uh, Moses Robinson Carr. Gotcha. Now, if we're talking to a UCLA guy here, we can't let you get out of here without talking about former uh, Henrietta Hen. Is that it? The, the Henrietta Hens. Yeah, fighting he, yeah, hands, fighting hens. Sure. There you go. Uh, former fighting hen Troy Aikman. Now, is he on UCLA Athletics' uh, Mount Rushmore, and uh, who is on that? Well, let me tell you something first. Um, I, I think we'd be remiss to, to not acknowledge the fact that he wasn't just that former Henry at a hand. He was a former Oklahoma Sooner. Sooner. Don't make us talk about it. <laughs> he, he, he ceased to be an Oklahoma Sooner when Jerome Brown broke his leg on Owen Field a while back. He, he has been not a Sooner since then, essentially. But anyway, well, would you put him on well, that Mount Rushmore? He wouldn't, have been, he wouldn't have been a Bruin if he wasn't a Sooner first because Coach Switzer uh, turned around and referred him to Terry Donahue. So, so it's something where, uh, where UCLA you know, owes a debt uh, to Oklahoma for, for that one. Um, I, think he's, I think he's definitely up there uh, on UCLA football's Mount Rushmore. Um, I'll tell you what, when, when they were looking to uh, replace Jim Mora this time, 
Uh, he was one of the one of the three guys on the on the search committee. It was uh, him, uh, Casey Wasserman, who's been behind all sorts of uh, different uh, projects, both with UCLA and and the the uh, LA Olympic bid and uh, sports agent extraordinaire, uh, along with with our one of our senior athletic uh, senior associate athletic directors. Um, so uh, those are the three guys that went out on the search committee, and the only guy they went to was Chip Kelly. So uh, Troy pulled. Troy was responsible. Help you know, was at least partially responsible for bringing Chip Kelly to uh, to Westwood, um, and and we owe Troy a debt of, debt of gratitude for that one. Although a lot of Bruins, at least in jest, prefer to ref, prefer to refer to him as Mr. Aikman because we don't like anything with Troy in it. <laughs> ah, there you go. That leads us right into our next question. Yeah, that's though. a nice segue there. I mean, other than OJ, I mean, that's obvious. Other than OJ, though, who is your least favorite Trojan of all time? Well, my, my question here is, do coaches count? Yes, sure. absolutely. Okay, then, then there's only, then there's really, truly only one, and that's Cheedy Petey Carroll. Oh, we I'm don't like him either. I'm so with you there. You know, it's one of those things where, where I just can't stand the guy. Uh, I don't care if he's coaching in Seattle or if he's coaching in in Alaska. I just can't stand that guy. Uh, he drives me nuts. Um, but if we're talking about players, uh, I got to go with Matt Barkley. Um, I, I still, I, you know, it's one of those things where you, you try you try hard not to take glee in a player's injury, but when a guy turns around and says that he's got unfinished business, and then uh, and then he doesn't pass the bar exam. Um, um, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't know about that. Yeah, well, uh, that's all over YouTube. Just, just go looking for, just go looking for uh, Matt Barkley and Anthony Barr. Uh, Anthony Barr uh, took took him out, and and really the injury was so bad that it probably cost Matt Barkley a, a few spots in the NFL draft the following year. Um, you know, it was just the fact that Barkley was so darn smug at the start of the season, saying, "I'm coming back because we've got unfinished business." Well, the only unfinished business he had was failing the bar exam. <laughs> You've got to admit, he had phenomenal hair. I don't look at the guy's hair. <laughs> he won't even admit it. Nah, he won't admit nah, it. Nah, nah. Anyway, staying on that topic, uh, what about USC fans annoys you the most? Everything. It's just hatred. I mean, think about this, okay? To, to put the to put the UCLA USC rivalry to the appropriate scale. Think about if we moved the University of Oklahoma from Norman down to the state line, and we moved UT up to the state line. We had just 12 miles between the two schools. How much more would you guys hate the University of Texas? We wouldn't even think about Oklahoma State. I mean, we barely think about them now, but I mean, you know, it's uh, it'd be a different ball game. Miles between between the University of Oklahoma and and the University of Texas. How, how much more would would it would it accelerate the rivalry between between Oklahoma and Texas? Um, probably a whole lot more. And it's the same way. There's only 12 miles that separate UCLA and USC. There's no there's no other rivalry like like it in the country in that respect geographically and the town splits in half you know you got half half the town goes to USC half the town goes to UCLA and you know it's just like 
if whenever I meet somebody, if they tell me they went to USC, I respond with two words. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's just the that's just the way it is. I mean, I, I can't stand the colors, ketchup and mustard. Um, you know, it's just it's just oh, it's just everything about them and, and then and then to top it all off, you know, look at the neighborhoods. You got UCLA in Westwood, just south Westwood of, is south, beautiful. South of Bel Air, just west of Beverly Hills. It's a beautiful area. Where's where's USC? South Central Los Angeles. Um, that's enough right there. Uh, you go to their campus. They've got a fence around their campus to keep to keep people out. Um, UCLA, it's a beautiful beautiful campus. Uh, you, you can't beat it. Um, if you ever have a chance to get to Westwood, visit the UCLA campus. Uh, you'll say, "Wow, why didn't I go here?" Um, I've been. It's um, fantastic. I couldn't have gotten into UCLA, but it was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's it's definitely hard to get into. It's the most applied to school in the country, and a large part of that has to do with Troy Aikman. Um, I know, I know myself. I'm, I I graduated high school back in '89, and uh, you know, Troy Aikman certainly helped recruit me to UCLA. Um, <laughs> it certainly didn't help, didn't hurt, even though uh, I'm a Jersey boy. Even, you know, sitting back there in Jersey watching watching UCLA play. On a weekly basis, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, um, that certainly didn't hurt. Uh, yet we have a, a chancellor who doesn't seem to realize the role that athletics plays in, in trying in actually recruiting students to come to the university. Um, it's it sometimes it just baffles me. All right, Joe, I got one more for you here. One more. How do you see this playing out on Saturday? Oh, you're gonna ask me that one. <laughs> That's why we ended. Our with conversation it. was so pleasant. We weren't yeah, going to start off with that one. Well, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I, I hope that UCLA will cover the spread. I don't know that they will. It's all going to depend on, 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 really, on three keys. You know, can the can the defense stop the stop the uh, Sooner offense? Can they get the get the UCLA offense the ball back with reasonable field position, and can the offense move the ball? Um, last week against Cincinnati, they had a, even though the defense shut down the Cincinnati offense the entire second half, uh, they still had a problem getting the ball back at a reasonable field position. UCLA uh, didn't didn't have it back um, beyond the 40 yard line the entire second half. And uh, when your offense is sputtering like UCLA's was, that's not good enough. Uh, you know, so it's one of those things where the whole second half was scoreless up until the last roughly six or seven minutes when Dorian Thompson Robinson had the fumble that led to the safety, and uh, and then Oak and then uh, Cincinnati came in on a short field after a fourth and one call and drove about 40 yards. Uh, for the final touchdown, so it's a matter of 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 those three things: defense, field position, and whether the Bruins can get the offense moving. Um, I think they'll cover the spread. I was a whole lot more optimistic prior to last weekend. Uh, if you had asked me two weeks ago, I was con I, I was pretty confident that that they were going to go into Norman and that they were going to upset the Sooners. Uh, but after watching last weekend 
I'm not sure they're. I'm not. I'm kind of concerned that they may not win a game. Uh, um, so we'll just have to. So I'm sure it's not that dire, but yeah, it, it, yeah, the offensive line situation wasn't great. I'll give you that. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just something where we're gonna have to see. You know, I, what at this point, really, what what most reasonable Bruin fans want is they want to see some progress. Uh, they just want to see the team get better each week, and. Uh, you know, it's something where if, if the offense is moving the ball and loses in a shootout, hey, you know what? We're going to take that as a better result than last week. Uh, as long as they keep making progress, we're going to be happy, uh, at least for right now. Um, you know, two or three years from now, uh, not so much. But, uh, but you know, because this is a relatively talented team, uh, they still have a, a blue chip index of 43 and a half. Uh, so that's that tells me that there are guys that can play. It's just a matter of uh, of them getting the offense going and, and the defense continuing to to be rock solid. All right, Joe, really appreciate your time uh, in, in recording with us and, and pushing through some technical issues as well. Definitely appreciate it. Joe is the managing editor and writer uh, about UCLA sports for Bruin Nation. You can follow them on Twitter at Bruin Nation. Uh, definitely give them a follow, OU fans, Actually, before Saturday to get both sides of, of the deal. What's that? It's Bruins with an S. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, sorry. Bruins Nation, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, that's why we have you on. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Joe Pachowski, appreciate your time tonight. All right, we're talking to Keegan Renault of OU Daily. He covers football, basketball, and baseball there uh, on campus at OU. Keegan Renault, you, know, you can follow on Twitter at Keegan, spelled K-E-G-A-N, Renault, spelled R-E-N-E-A-U. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Uh, I'm, we'll just hop right into it. Uh, I was reading what you had written on the OUDaily.com about uh, OU secondary. You know, a lot of young guys got a lot of burn last Saturday uh, against Florida Atlantic. It's going to stay that way. Uh, what do you expect the rest of the way? Uh, specifically, what do you expect Saturday from this group? Yeah, and like you just mentioned, it's an extremely young group, uh, a group that's shown an ability to back up what they've been talking over the last um, three, four weeks or so. I think the expectation is just to see how UCLA uses their athletes. Oklahoma's going to see better athletes this week um, just across the board. Uh, especially defensively and see if they can the secondary can tackle as well as they did behind the line of scrimmage and seeing if they can cover receivers downfield because uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson man I have been messing that name up all week but uh, he had receivers open downfield and he hit a couple of them and they were just dropped so you know the potential is going to be there that there's going to be receivers running open downfield and it's going to be a chance to see if Oklahoma can contain that and limit those mistakes in coverage. All right, Keegan, speaking of the defense, I don't think too many people were expecting a first-half shutout against uh, FAU, but it happened all the same, and uh, OU fans are obviously uh, pretty thrilled about that. Having said that, is there anything that you saw from this defense on Saturday that could be a cause for concern in the future? After Saturday, no. I think the secondary, uh, Mike Stoops alluded to it this week, that they had great coverage, they tight coverage. Um, that He thought pretty highly of what the linebackers were able to do. And then the defense as a whole had nine tackles for loss, which was more than what uh, any mark they had last year. 
Um, I think we're going to have to see a couple games, see them play some better teams, uh, better wide receivers, better quarterback play. Chris Robinson obviously struggled. So uh, we'll see going forward. I, I don't think after one game I can sit here and say that they're going to have you know issues here or issues there. But it was a good start, and they just need to uh, – if they perform like that again against UCLA, then it becomes a trend, and then then that we can really get started to talk about how Oklahoma's defense has improved immensely over the last year. Keegan, let's keep it on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not going to ask you to forecast uh, anymore, but, you know, this the defensive line is what I came away with really impressed with. I haven't seen a push uh, at the point of attack like that in, in quite a while. Meanwhile, UCLA only bringing back a couple of starters – uh, potential for chaos this Saturday. Yeah, uh, it could be another good game for Oklahoma. Uh, defensively, we spoke to a UCLA writer last night on our podcast, and it, it sounds like there's slight confidence that the offensive line is going to be able to hold up against Oklahoma come Saturday. And if that's the case, the defensive line is going to flash again. Um, I thought that was probably, like you mentioned, the biggest story of the game. Um, from Florida Atlantic is just how well they got off blocks, how well they were able to get a push. So uh, Oklahoma's going to have a really good chance come Saturday to really leave that mark and feel good about themselves going forward into a road game in Ames next week that has a chance to be uh, a little bit interesting given the circumstances of last year. Yeah, absolutely. Switching uh, topics over to the offense – is there anyone on that side of the ball who maybe didn't see much uh, playing time in the first half or any playing time in the first half who you could see becoming a contributor as the season goes on? I think it's the trendy pick. I, I think Drake Stoops is going to have a chance as the season goes on that um, be able to make some big plays and big catches. If the coaches trust him enough as a true freshman walk-on that showed up in June to play in the first quarter, I believe, as uh, when his catch was, maybe in the second. But uh, I definitely think Drake Stoops down the line offensively, especially in that slot. If you know, I don't, I don't want to take too much away from what Grant Calcaterra and C.D. Lamb did in terms of catches. I believe they only had four catches for about 50 yards on Saturday combined, which is, uh, if you would have asked me that before the game started, uh, I definitely wouldn't have agreed with it. So uh, Dra- I think Drake Stoops is going to have a chance. Uh, would be uh, come maybe post-Texas time to make a big impact on this offense and catch some touchdowns. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by Drake Stoops, Keegan. And, I mean, it's hard not to be. And there, there have been so many interesting stories and narratives that have come through OU just recently, right? Baker Mayfield, uh, his his ascension, uh, walking on in, in winning a Heisman, becoming first in the NFL draft. That's, that's storybook right there. That's one of the top college football stories of all time. Where would it rank to you, though, uh, if, if Drake Stoops has, you know, not even a Baker Mayfield-like ascension, but a fraction of that, where does that rank to you? That would be up there. I think in just in terms of being able to tell a story, obviously from my background, I think that would be one of the cooler things to do. You're the son of Bob Stoops. Uh, you had you had offers, but you didn't have great offers. You chose to walk on yourself, um, kind of betting on yourself, and then all of a sudden you turn into an impact guy at the university that your dad basically um, resurrected. I think uh, Jack can have contested that a little bit about how bad it was before I can. Um, So uh, definitely think where Oklahoma's heading, if Drake Stoops continues to play well, uh, it would be be more of a, not just a feel-good story, but a story nationally that people would want to follow and pay attention to. Okay, Keegan, 
let's start a little bit with the prognostications. Not to get too deep into that, but the spread, I believe earlier today, the spread was uh, 30.5, which is oh insane. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, I mean, I think it is obviously realistic that Oklahoma, after, you know, seeing what we saw on Saturday from both teams, Oklahoma to cover that spread, uh, what do you think the chances are of OU covering that spread and why? Well, first off, I, I want to say a quick shout out to uh, Spencer Davis because he found this, but I, I don't know if you guys have heard uh, or seen a stat somewhere, but this is the first time Oklahoma has been a four touchdown or more favorite against a non-conference power five opponent since 2003. Does that, does that scare you a little bit though? I mean, I, it kind of does. But at the same time, with the way Oklahoma played last week, uh, the concerns UCLA has across the offensive line and the defensive line. Um, actually, I picked Oklahoma to cover this game. Uh, I picked I picked them to win by uh, 35. So I think it can be done. I think Oklahoma has a good shot to come out of the gates and turn this into a track meet, a track meet that UCLA can't keep up with. Keegan, what do you got coming up on uh, down the pipeline on, on OU Daily right now? Man, just a couple this bigger stories coming up court towards the middle of the season. Still trying to get uh, my feet wet a little bit more before I get extremely comfortable, um, especially covering football. If people don't, it's a it's such a grind. It uh, the this beat, it's crazy. But at the same time, mid season towards the end, um, continue to chase those big stories and then be able to continue to knock out these practice reports like we've been doing as of late. So it's definitely going to be uh, fun come midseason once I'm able to nail my big story, and it's a f- story focused on Kyler Murray. Um, continuing, I wrote the profile on him before the season started, and there's some stuff. There's still some uh, another story that's still there that's left to be told, and um, I'm, I'm excited that I'm going to get to tell it. You got that in your your hip pocket, though. I do. Yeah, you know, it's something something that could be uh, people people might want to read. Like yeah, definitely. I like anything by you. I'm excited already. Yeah, definitely worth reading. And Keegan, looking at you know, you're in part of the podcast on the Prairie as well. I know you guys talked about Curtis Bolton. Uh, what kind of improvement do you see from him? I mean, just the fact that he was able to be the impact player. Wasn't he the Big Twelve uh, Defensive Player of the Week last mm-hmm. week? Yeah, he was. It's it's a, that's a, another talking about another crazy story. A guy who didn't start for four years got hurt last season. Was just a blitz package guy comes in starting and he probably honestly guys he looked like the most comfortable linebacker out there on the field over uh, Kenneth Murray that um I think if people are taking too much stock into having zero him having zero tackles but uh, I thought Curtis Bolton looked like the best linebacker on the field on Saturday he just looked comfortable uh just kind of looks like a football player and I think that's what Tim Kish and Mike Stoops need on that defense and going forward guys I don't I mean throwing it back at you guys I don't think Caleb Kelly should start over Curtis Bolton at this point. point. I don't think so at all. Not after what we saw on Saturday. And I mean, it's that's nothing to take away from Caleb Kelly. But I mean, like you said, uh, Bolton just seems like a natural fit in that position. And Kelly, you know, we're not really sure where he fits most naturally in this defense at this point. Still, yeah, I don't. I I think he's a three-four outside linebacker, and Oklahoma's trying to go to back to the four-two-five and playing a lot of nickel and dime and. Then if they're not playing that, go to a four-man front. So they trust their linebackers enough. Their linebackers enough. What what do you what is the best way to integrate Caleb Kelly? Because I, the, the pedigree is there, right? I mean, he, uh, clearly the talent level he he bulked up big time. I think that he is. Uh, I mean, he could be a vital part of this defense. Where would you see him fitting in, maybe best? Yeah, uh, 
Man, that's a good question. That's a tough question. I, I, yeah, yeah, I kind I, of uh, put you no, on the spot there. No, you're uh, good. Man. I just think he's too talented he to keep up. Absolutely. He's, he's one of the more athletic guys on that defense. He was the best player on that defense in the Sugar in the, Bowl two exactly, years ago against exactly. Auburn. And that's the natural position. They ran uh, against Auburn. They ran the 3-4 that Mike Stoops tried to integrate for a couple years. It just obviously didn't work out. But in that Sugar Bowl, that's the position he played. So it, if Oakland was playing two linebackers on the field, then he, Caleb Kelly's probably the best in the Sam. But he also played with a torn labor. I think that's another thing to take into account as well is that he did after the season, I believe he had uh, surgery. He didn't practice much in the spring at the will. He only really had one fall camp to learn everything. Um, so maybe Curtis Bolton graduates. Caleb Kelly, I believe, would still have – if they play their cards right, could have another year, potentially two years with the new redshirt rule. So, and then he could be getting all the reps this year and then be ready to play at the will next year. So that could be another, that could be a potential situation. Another situation as well is him turning into the back over to the same position, but Ryan Jones looked pretty, pretty good on Saturday at that. At he's that. a, yeah, he's a natural at that position. So, he's, he was so, born to play that position. It it, seems it's like. crazy to think that Caleb Kelly's the odd man out. Is what is what Matt said. It's just he's got the pedigree. He was a five-star recruit, uh, biggest recruit Oklahoma Lane on defense in a long time at that when at that point. So uh, it's it's hopefully he can find a way onto the field and hopefully he either fits or he can find uh, some you know somewhere else to play on this defense. All right, Keegan, I've got one last question for you, and it's not even football related. Oh, uh, UCLA oh, has a great great fan base. I know they're going to travel some fans to Norman. Uh, any UCLA fans, what recommendations would you give them on uh, game day fun? Game day fun. Hey, I'm a campus corner guy. I like going over there and feeling the atmosphere and uh, enjoying the people freaking out over what Jim Traber and Al Ashback have to say. That's one of the favorite parts of game day. Um, but more than more than anything, just check out the campus. The tailgating's it's fun, um, but at the end of the day, the campus is a little bit different than a lot of campuses around the country. Um, just because of the town kind of feel to it, I guess. So It is a uh, lot different than UCLA's yeah, campus. I've been to uh, Westwood before. It is a completely different feel. It's very cool out there, but, I mean, obviously it's uh, apples and oranges. Yeah, and I think Campus Corner, a um, couple, you know, at, at the game, I, I always like getting into the game a little bit earlier. Uh, maybe that's just because I'm a nerd and enjoy watching guys warm up. But, uh but yeah, I think obviously a couple beers on campus corner is always fun. There's going to be people everywhere, but uh, get your mimosas and get your uh, breakfast burritos ready because it's going to be an early day if you're planning on doing that. There you go. All right, you can listen or yeah, you can listen to Keegan or No if you want to podcast on the Prairie uh, with Spencer Davis and George Stoya. You guys do an excellent job with that. You can read Keegan or No um, at OUDaily.com. Keegan, am I missing anything else that you want to plug? No, and uh, these guys are awesome, so continue to listen to them. Yeah, definitely follow Keegan uh, at Keegan or No on Twitter. Keegan, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, you guys Absolutely. take care. You guys take care. Big shout out to Joe Pachowski, Keegan Renault. Uh, of Bruins Nation and OU Daily, respectively, uh, coming on and giving us their time to talk some OU football. Uh, we're going to put a bow on this, Jack. First of all, any big plans for this weekend, obviously, aside from the uh, you know, football game? That's essentially going to be it. I mean, I've got some friends coming from out of town. i got a buddy from, uh, actually, from Bozeman, Montana, a Sooner up in Bozeman, Montana. He and his uh, girlfriend are coming down. They're going to be uh, staying with me, I think. Maybe not. But uh, anyway, we'll figure it out. It's kind of late to 
that out, I guess. But like, uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, it'll be, you know, the standard deal. We get another hour to tailgate, so that'll be nice. It'll probably be more of the campus corner situation and less of the uh, actual tailgate spot this time around, which is cool. It's good to mix it up. You only have so many game days in a year, so. Yeah, no, I feel that. Yeah, I'll be uh, working, doing some post-game. I got to do the post-game show. Um, from about 7, yeah, I would say about 6 to 7, 7.30. Uh, I got to do that with Sean Thurmond and Todd Lizenby here at the franchise, so that was cool. Get to do that again. Other Make sure that, to listen to the franchise on <laughs> Yeah, the They're Shane letting Le- us use their studio right now. So yeah, big time plug. Plugging them right also, now. The, uh, you can go ahead and just put the extra money in my direct deposit. Appreciate it for that uh, shameless plug, though. Just kidding, it doesn't work that way. If We're only, all about the shameless plugs here. Yeah, you know, if only if only it uh, affected my bottom line is, is what I'm getting to. But unfortunately not. But again, that, that's basically my weekend plans. Our weekend plans are going to be essentially the same every time. Football. There you go. There's nothing better than that either. No, absolutely not. There's yeah. variation for away games, obviously. But, you know, then you get the watch party, which is another cool element of uh, game day. So. I'll probably here's actually what I'll be doing most of Saturdays fretting over my fantasy football lineup. Uh, it's not so bad in week one because your starters are pretty much your just best players. But I have Le'Veon Bell on my fantasy team, but uh, yesterday I picked up James Conner, so I'm feeling pretty good about it no matter what. Don't trade Le'Veon Bell. Keep him both. Oh no, I'm not. No, I, I would never do that. Would, there are people I, who are tilt trading him though. It's happening. That's wild. So it goes. So yeah, I, I've been the one who's putting out offers for Le'Veon Bell out there. I didn't draft him, but uh, it, that's, I think it's probably time to put a bow on this, put a cherry on top. Uh, final prediction for Saturday. Uh, spread is thirty points. Thirty points spread. Thirty point five as of earlier today. As of yeah, as of recording. That again, but anyway, as of um, recording, thirty point five. My final score prediction. I, I think there's going to be a little more resistance in. I would say Oklahoma 44, UCLA 17. So the that's most people are picking the over, and I'm, I guess, taking the under there. So I guess I'm going against the grain on that one. That's pretty close uh, to mine. I was going to say 42 17. So. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah, it's We're thinking 64 about the is the over-under. So that's, uh, that's interesting. But, uh, but, yeah, just barely, barely not quite beating the spread there or not quite covering. And, That's all right, uh, though. Not quite hitting me over. So, so there you the, go. But then again, I picked Florida Atlantic to barely cover uh, last week. So uh, we know how that went. I, I would I, say I, our, I, I was thrilled to be very yeah. wrong. So Well, yeah, and, and it might be an overreaction, too. You know, we might be uh, saying that based on what we saw last week, even though it may not necessarily be indicative. So who knows? I maybe this could, indicative. Maybe hope. this could be the close game and not the Florida Atlantic game. Yeah, well, maybe neither of them. I hope not. <laughs> See, even if UCLA world. beats the spread, this isn't going to be close because that line is enormous. So, yeah, that is. It is pretty absurd. I'm not tripping. So, no, I, I don't think any Sooner fans are. Should be a fun game. Uh, and you know, I wouldn't expect it to be over by the first quarter, but halftime. We'll settle yeah, for halftime. Probably over by halftime. <laughs> In an ideal world, one of the best OU traditions is leaving at halftime. That's yeah. that's because we you know traditionally stop. Look, it's going to be a little bit nicer than it was. Uh, it's supposed to be what in the mid seventies. Yeah, mid seventies, maybe a little bit of rain. I hope uh, maybe, uh, but I think it's maybe like twenty percent, fifteen percent chance, but it wouldn't be like a heavy rain. I don't think so. 
Well, I think I'm that it's be- that beats the heat any yeah, day. No doubt, no doubt. It makes it easier to drink, uh, have that Absolutely. stamina in doing so. I think that's gonna do it for us. So, um, any final thoughts? I'm good, man. Any parting wisdom? Parting All right. wisdom. Parting uh, wisdom. I have no wisdom, so no. that that's about as good of a parting uh, wise crack. Yeah, I can see, think yeah, of. knowing that I have no wisdom is the wisest thing I said. That makes you self aware, which yeah, a lot of people cannot claim. There you go. Uh, for Jack Shields, I'm Matt Ravis. Thank you so much for listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown. Uh, new episodes every single week. Do not miss them. Subscribe to our SoundCloud page as well. Uh, if you have the app, it will give you a notification every time we post a, uh, a new episode of this. So you will be the first to know uh, about new episodes of Oklahoma Breakdown. Give us a follow on SoundCloud. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown.